You're listening to the Light for Living podcast, featuring the sermons of Emmanuel Baptist Church in El Dorado, Arkansas, where Dr. Clark Whitney serves as senior pastor. Join us for verse-by-verse messages through the life-changing Word of God. Along the way, we'll also feature devotional thoughts, Bible studies, and interviews, all designed to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you have a Bible, I invite you to take it out and turn to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Check 2 Corinthians chapter 2. It's good to be with you this morning. I'm glad that we're inside and dry. And we hear uh, the good sound of rain on the roof. It'd be a good time to take a nap. But I hope you get excited for the next 20 minutes. You can go home, take a nap, and get ready for the Super Bowl. I'm glad to be with you today. We're continuing our series, Traits of the Greats, 10 Essentials for a Life that Makes a Difference. And we see how God takes ordinary people to do extraordinary things in their lives. And he uses what we see as ordinary to do great things. And we have a little symbols. In fact, if you're maybe a guest today, maybe this is your first time, at our welcome desk after the service, we have a little gift we'd like to give you. And maybe you missed last week or the week before. We have a little symbol that goes along with each message. This week is the myrrh. The myrrh. Myrrh in the Bible represents suffering well. It represents suffering well. Myrrh comes up in Jesus' life. You may remember the three wise men who brought Jesus gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. In ancient times, myrrh was used to embalm dead bodies. And who would give a gift to a little baby that would be used to embalm a dead body? Well, Jesus was the man that was born to die. He was born to be our Savior. And myrrh shows up three times in his life, not just the time we think about with the wise men, but it also comes up at the cross where they offered him wine mixed with myrrh. Myrrh was a mild anesthetic that would dull his pain, but he refused that to taste the full cup of God's wrath. And then Nicodemus, if you read the Bible, anointed Jesus' body with myrrh and aloes. Myrrh comes from the sap of a tree, kind of like maple syrup, a tree that is very common in the Middle East, and it's used even today for fragrances, incense, and essential oil. So we have a little piece of myrrh for you if you would like to get one after the service. The thing about myrrh is that it has to be crushed to produce its fragrance. You have to literally take the piece of myrrh and crush it for you to smell the beautiful fragrance. And that's how suffering is in our lives and pain and difficulties. They're bad things that God can use in to make good things out of them in a good way. God can take the bad things in our lives, the things that make us feel crushed on every side, and he can produce a beautiful fragrance in us. I'm going to show you that from God's Word. So some good things about bad things. It's a paradox. Not like Dr. Smart and his brother. Some of you are are a little slow, but uh, you're worth waiting for. Uh, Smart's Sunday school class this morning signed him up for our Easter choir and signed him up as a soprano. So we're not going to put him up there. But uh, you may feel like your life this morning is like Lucky the dog. And this was the sign for Lucky. He was lost. And the sign said, I'm missing a dog, three legs, blind in one eye, missing right ear, tail broken, recently castrated, answers to the name Lucky. 
You may feel like that's your life, that, that you are just crushed on every side. I want to give you some good things about bad things this morning. God's Word, 2 Corinthians 2, if you got it, say got it. The Bible says, but thank God he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. Romans 8 and 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And we know that all things work together for good. Not that they are good, but to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Let's pray together. Father, we pause now and we ask for your peace and your presence and your power, God, that your Holy Spirit would have free reign in our lives and in our hearts and in this place today. God, that each person here, whatever the difficulty and suffering and pain and heartache, God, that you would meet each need. God, we don't always have all the answers, but we know that you can take the bad things and work them together for good. That's our hope. That is our trust this morning. Help us see from your word how you want to use the things in our lives that make us weak to show yourself strong. I pray that you would do that in my life today, that, that you would increase, I would decrease. We ask it with a grateful heart, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Corinthians 2, Paul was a guy that knew a lot about some bad things, some pain. He was beaten and tortured and imprisoned, even put to death, all because he was following God's plan for his life. And in 2 Corinthians 2, he uses an image from that day to tell the church in Corinth about suffering and about pain. And he says, thank God he has made us his captives. He continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. And that day, the Roman conqueror, when they would go out and conquer a distant land, they would come back with all of the prisoners of war, the captives. And the Roman conqueror would come back, the military conqueror, and he would have all the spoils of victory, all of the things that, that he conquered, not just the people, but all of the gold and all the loot that, that he came back with. And they would have a victory parade and march through the city, and put all of those spoils of war out on display. And they would literally burn incense, and they would burn incense to the gods. And the fragrance, they thought, would let the people and the gods know that the king had conquered. Well, Paul is writing to people who knew about these victory parades, and he's saying Jesus is the ultimate conquering king. And we belong to him. He has, he has delivered us from sin, but now we serve him. And he leads us in a triumphal procession. And he uses us, the Bible says, to spread the knowledge of Christ like a sweet perfume. Have you ever walked in a home and, and somebody's been cooking a nice meal? And you just smell that fragrance and it tells you something good is on the way. Well, that fragrance it is God's fragrance to the world showing us that we belong to Christ and it says in verse 15, our lives are like a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. A fragrance. The myrrh. It's only through the crushing that the fragrance can come out. I want you to think about that. 
I want to also introduce you to a great. His name is Bob Wheeland. You may not know him, but you ought to know him. He was a student at the University of Wisconsin in the 1960s. He was very gifted in baseball, and he was actually negotiating a job as a pitcher for the Philadelphia Phillies when he got drafted, and Uncle Sam told him to go to Vietnam. And so he got drafted and went to Vietnam in 1969. While there, Bob got involved in a very fierce gunfight. In fact, he ran to a buddy's aid, but he didn't see the 82-millimeter mortar in his path. He stepped on it, exploded, and there, Bob Whelan, this young man, in 1969, lost both of his legs. Well, he was pronounced dead on arrival at the military hospital till someone found out he had a pulse. He went to Vietnam standing six feet tall and weighing 200 pounds. He came home weighing 87 pounds with a body that was almost cut in half. Anybody else at this type of crushing would have just given up, would have just said, my life is over, but not Bob Whelan. As soon as he got out of intensive care, Bob started concentrating on his rehab, especially his upper body strength. Without his legs, he had to rely more on walking with his hands. In 1977, weighing just 122 pounds, Wieland actually competed in the United States Powerlifting Championship. He bench-pressed 303 pounds and then was told by the judges that he was disqualified. See, somebody looked in the rule book and found the fine print that all the contestants were required to wear shoes when they competed. Well, Bob repri replied very quickly, Wouldn't you know it? Today would be the day that I forgot my shoes. He used a special pad to cushion his fist, and he's completed some of the most amazing treks in all of history. September 1982, he actually walked all the way across America on his hands, began at Knott's Berry Farm, ended up at the Vietnam Memorial in Washington, D.C. The entire walk, it took him three years, eight months, and six days, and nearly five million hand steps. He walked over concrete freeways, steel bridges, asphalt streets, and gravel roads. And all he did it all by simply putting one hand in front of another. A reporter asked him, Bob, what keeps you motivated for such a long trek? He said, the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. He said, that's what keeps me going. In 1988, he became the only double amputee to complete in the Ironman Triathlon in Kona, Hawaii. He has completed the LA Marathon with a time of 173 hours and 45 minutes. And he said, well, I lapped everybody else that was sitting on the couch. In 1993, he stunned the world by bench pressing 507 pounds. And all these achievements and all the credits, he gives the Lord the credit. The Lord is the one who gives him the strength to take, to take each step. He could have easily sunk into bitterness and despair. He could have easily been crushed and been down for the count and just checked out. But he made a choice to allow God to use his suffering to bring something beautiful out of it. What are some bad things that God can use? I don't know your situation in life. I don't know if you're dealing with a physical difficulty, a relational difficulty, Maybe a mental. But here's some things that God can use. Pain. God never wastes pain. God uses pain. C.S. Lewis said, God whispers to us in our pleasures. 
He speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts in our pain. Our, our pain is used by God to draw us closer to him. Maybe you deal with many problems. Nobody knows the trouble that you've seen. Sometimes God puts us on our back with problems, so we have no place to look but up. Maybe there's pressure in your life. Maybe just the overwhelming stress and anxiety. American Psychological Association recently did a study and found that a quarter, 27% of U.S. adults, say that most days they're so stressed they cannot function. One in four. Now, under 35, that number rose to 46%. Nearly half saying they're so stressed on most days they can't even function. Maybe you feel so much pressure. Maybe it's persecution. You know, the Bible says that all those who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. There will be times when you get left out of the invite or you get ridiculed or made fun of. Or in some places, you may even lose your very life for following Jesus. Maybe it's not problems or pressure or pain. Maybe it's hurt. If you live long enough, you're going to get hurt. The Bible says in Psalm 34, 18, that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Sometimes we get hurt by people, and hurt people hurt people. Maybe it's your habits. Maybe there's an addiction in your life, a negative habit that you just can't seem to break. You just can't seem to get over this habit. You know, the thing about habits is that we make our habits, then our habits make us. Maybe it's a hang-up, an emotional problem, something in your mind that you're fixated on uh, that you just can't fix. Maybe it's a hopeless situation. I don't know what you're dealing with today, but I know that God can use each and every one of our bad things, and even when they're not good, he can bring something good out of them. Before Billy Graham, there was Billy Sunday, and Billy Sunday was a fiery revival preacher that traveled across America, and before he had a meeting in one of the big cities in America, he wrote the mayor of the city, and he said, Mr. Mayor, I would like a list of everyone that is dealing with a spiritual problem, everybody in your town that needs prayer. Well, he was a little surprised when he found out that the mayor sent him back a phone book. You see, everybody has problems. Everybody needs spiritual help. And no matter what your specific bad thing is this morning, I don't have all the answers, but I can tell you that God wants to help you in your situation. Why do bad things happen? Those are what some bad things are, but why do they happen? A lot of times in, in modern Christianity, we're afraid to call sin, sin. We're afraid to use that word, and we don't want to offend anybody. But we miss the whole good news about Jesus, and we really miss how he can bring good out of bad when we leave sin out of the equation. Because we'll never know how messed up the world is or why it's so messed up until we understand how bad sin is. Sin has absolutely corrupted everything on earth. We're afraid to call it out, but when we call it out, we can begin to understand a little bit why bad things are in the world. Sometimes bad things happen simply because we sin. There's consequences to our sin. We do things that are against God, and we experience the consequence of those sins. Jesus said what comes out of a person is what defiles him. 
For from within, out of the heart of a man, come evil thoughts and immorality and theft and murder and adultery and coveting and wickedness and deceit and sensuality and envy and slander and pride and foolishness. All these things come from within and they defile a person. See, sometimes out of the wickedness of our own heart and the sin that you and I do, we experience bad things as a consequence of that sin. The old preacher said sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Sin's pleasurable for a season. We don't always experience the consequence of our sin at the moment that we sin. But there's always a payday for sin. Sometimes bad things happen because we sin. Sometimes bad things happen because other people sin against us. Somebody cut us down, cussed us out, chewed us up, and spit us out. Maybe that happened to you even this morning on the way to church. Uh, There was a, a pastor that was preaching on how we should love our enemies. And he asked the, the church, how many of you have an enemy? Would you, would you please raise your hand? And everybody raised their hand except for the dear old saint, Mrs. Watson, on the front row. See, she was 95 years old and the matriarch of the church. And he said, Mrs. Watson, how could you possibly live for 95 years and have no enemies at all? She said, it's easy. I just outlived all of them. (laughs) We all have people that have hurt us, that have have caused us pain, that we don't want to see when we go to Walmart. We don't want to think about them. Sometimes bad things happen because we sin, sometimes because others sin. Sometimes bad things happen simply because sin is in the world. You may experience a bad thing. It may not be your fault. But because sin is in the world, the Bible says that suffering and death and disease and famine and foster homes and orphans and all of these broken things that we see, the messed up things around us, are simply because sin's in the world. That the way things are, it's very clear, are not the way that they ought to be. And we see the result, the consequences of sin. Maybe because we didn't sin, maybe someone didn't sin against us, but we get, uh, we get a diagnosis that's unexpected. Or we just experience pain and labor, or, or whatever it may be. The Bible says in Romans 5 that just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, death spread to all men because all sinned. Sin is a problem that has affected us all. Well, what has God done about bad things? I want to introduce you to another great. Her name was Elizabeth Elliot. Elizabeth Elliot. As a young married lady in 1956, fresh out of college, Elizabeth and her husband Jim and four other couples went to the jungles of Ecuador to share the gospel with the Aka Indians. The Aka Indians were a very violent and primitive tribe. In fact, they had very little to no contact with the outside world. But God put a call on these 10 young people and their families, little children, to share the gospel with the Aka Indians. I was in Ecuador about 10 years ago now. Time flies. But I actually got to go inside a hut that was built by this tribe, the Aka Indians. And what happened is, is these missionaries, they were pilots, And they landed on a river there near the Aka Indians. And they were to bring them food and and to bring them gifts and supplies to try to establish a connection with them so that they could share the gospel. Before they could even share the gospel, 
the, these five men, the husbands that had gone, were speared to death by this tribe, leaving behind five widows, one of them, Elizabeth Elliot. Well, time doesn't permit to tell the whole story, but God did an amazing work. Eventually, a couple years later, Elizabeth returned with her little child to actually live among the Aka. And she shared the gospel with them, and one of the men who killed her husband later became a Christian and traveled the world with the Elliot family. Well, this is what she wrote about suffering. I, I say all that to say, I think she knows a little bit about pain and heartache. She wrote this, The deepest things I've learned in my own life come from the deepest suffering. And out of the deepest waters and the hottest fire have come the deepest things that I know about God. There have been some hard things in my life, of course, as there have been in yours. And I cannot say to you, I know exactly what you're going through. But I can say that I know the one who knows. And I've come to see that it's through the deepest suffering that God's taught me the deepest lessons. And if we'll trust him for it, we can come through to the unshakable assurance that he is in charge. That he has a loving purpose. And that he can transform something terrible into something wonderful. What has God done about our bad things? God isn't silent. It's not like he doesn't care. First of all, God put our sin on Jesus for our bad things. God put the sin of the world on Jesus so that you and I might know him. That one day we might have ultimate redemption. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, to be sin for us, so that we could be right with God through Christ. He made him who knew no sin to be sin, so that in him you and I might become the righteousness of Christ. All of our sin was put on Jesus so that God could forgive us of our sin and give us the righteousness and the peace that comes from knowing God. That's what Jesus has done. God put our sin on Jesus for them. God also provides us his presence in them. I can't tell you that God will take you out of the fire today. But I can tell you that he'll be with you in the fire. That he will never leave you or forsake you. No matter what bad thing you go through, he is with you. He is for you. Paul said in Philippians 3, My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. There's something about suffering and pain that draws you closer to God that you could not be before you experience that suffering and pain. There are lessons that God wants to teach you. He wants to draw you in close to him, and he can use those bad things to provide his precious presence in your life. But he also promises us an ultimate redemption from them. It may not come this side of heaven, but Paul said, I consider the sufferings of this present time, the bad things, are not even worth being compared to the good things to the glory that's going to be revealed to us. That the way things are going to be are not the way they are now. And God's going to make all the wrong right in the end. That's what God's done for us. Daryl Scott, his daughter Rachel, was one of the ones murdered at the Columbine school shooting in Colorado in the 1990s. And Daryl Scott knew a lot of pain from losing his little girl. And he said, as he looked out at people that go through pain, he said most people are look-atters, look-atters. 
But God's people should be see-throughers. See-throughers. A lot of times I experience a bad thing. It's so tempting to be a look-atter. I just look at the problem. I look at the difficulty, the adversity. I, I just don't see any hope for this situation. But God wants us to not look at, but to see through and to trust that he is working all things together for good. It doesn't mean that we don't grieve. It doesn't mean that we don't tear up, that we don't experience emotions. But God wants us not just to stop at the problem. He wants to be a, us to be see-throughers, to see through, and most of all, to look up and to see him. How does God want to use our bad things? How does God want to use our bad things? Well, number one, he wants us to draw close to him. He wants us to draw close to him. Psalm 119.71, David said, it's good for me that I've been afflicted. He said, it's been a, a good thing that I've gone through bad things, that I might learn thy statutes. That there are things that God wants to teach you through the bad things. My suffering was good for me, for it taught me to pay attention to your decrees, another translation says. There's something about the lessons God wants to teach us to draw us closer to him. The poem goes like this. I walked a mile with pleasure. She chatted all the way, but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow, and never a word said she. But oh, the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. It's through the pain that God draws us closer. Not only does he draw us close to him, he develops a Christ-like character in us through the bad things. Romans 5 says, we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. God can take the suffering and produce something in you that looks more like Jesus than before you went through the suffering. It doesn't make it easy. It doesn't eliminate the pain. But God can renew your spirit and make you something beautiful out of the mess that you're in. Also, you can help other people. That's the good thing about bad things. That when you develop this character, it's a fragrance. Uh, the crushing produces a fragrance. And remember, our lives are like a fragrance being offered up to God. Here's what the Bible says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. Listen, he comforts us in all our affliction. In all of our bad things, he comforts us so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort that we receive from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. Did you ever think that God might want to use what you're going through so that you can help somebody else who's going through something? That you can be the fragrance of Christ to them and comfort them and he comforts you so that you can comfort others. Thirdly, he displays his power and plan for you in the bad things. Even in the bad things, he displays his power and his plan. Our lives are a fragrance offering up to him. What can he do with our bad things? Well, he can turn your mess into a masterpiece. You look at your life and you think, wow, what a mess. God can bring something beautiful and make a masterpiece out of your mess. Joseph said in Genesis 50, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. He can turn your test into a testimony. 
the things that you go through, the trials and the heartache, he can turn those things around and use that as a testimony to share his faithfulness with somebody that needs to hear it. And he can turn your past into a platform. He can turn the things that you've done wrong against him and he can forgive you and turn your life around and get you right with him. And he can help you use that as a platform to show his power in someone's life that you might be able to help them. I don't know why bad things happen. I know because sin's in the world and sometimes I sin, sometimes others sin against me. I don't know exactly why you're going through what you're going through. And I don't know exactly what you're going through. But I do know that God's promise in the end is that everything will be all right. Revelation 21 verse 4 says, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And one day death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain. For all the former things, the bad things, have passed away. Have passed away. Well, I'll give you one last story of a great. My grandmother was a great. She had cancer my entire adult life. From when I was born, she was diagnosed shortly thereafter until she passed when I was 30. I never knew a time when she was well physically. She had cancer nine times, lymphoma, breast cancer. She used to drive to Dallas. My grandfather would drive her for her cancer treatments, and then he'd drive her back. She would work a full day at the Texas Education System, Region 7, where she worked as a secretary, work through lunch, and then go home. That's tough. <laughs> she had this cancer, but God used this bad thing to bring something beautiful out of her life. Her testimony, her gentle and quiet spirit, the way that she carried herself, the ministry that she had to people in the church who were going through sickness and heartache. She wasn't without pain. In fact, she was afflicted. It took her hours to get ready when we would go on a trip. She would, she would literally have to just use all of her physical and mental ability just to get ready for the day. But she allowed God to use her bad thing to bring something beautiful out of it. Well, January 2020, she passed away. But she doesn't have a cancer body anymore. She's not suffering anymore. All the bad things and the afflictions and the pain and the cancer, it's all passed away. She's healed and whole in Jesus' sight. Do you have that assurance today? Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share with a friend. We hope you'll tune back in next time to the Light for Living podcast.